checks in. I want to say this from the bottom of my heart. Brother Patterson is a prince of a man. And uh, haven't been here very long, but he was one of the first hands that extended to me in Alabama camp meeting. I am a natural introvert in a new place, in a new land, amen, and this, this wonderful, kind, and gracious man made his way through the crowd, and uh, has, I've just felt a friendship to him, and whenever he sees me, amen, he is always very deliberate and intentional to make us feel at home, and, and I just can't tell you what that has meant to me and my family. Something simple to you has been monumental to my family, and I thank you, and, and uh, brother and sister Harrelson, I've admired them. I was going through, thumbing through notebooks the other day, and I can remember the first time I heard you preach. I got uh, uh, a vivid reminder of my hand cramping up because I couldn't keep up taking notes at theology conference at Indiana Bible College and have just admired your ministry so deeply for a number of reasons. And, and I want the church to hear this, and I know both of you gentlemen are probably uncomfortable right now, and, and I say this to Brother Harrelson's chagrin, although I hope he won't hold it against me and would allow me to continue to be his friend going forward, but I was uh, privy to a poll and people in our fellowship were asking for uh, recommendations on ministers to come to camp meetings and to local assemblies for conferences, and I just want the church to know that more often times than not, one of the top names that came through on that, that anonymous poll was, was Pastor Harrelson. Amen. Your contention for truth, your dedication to doctrine, amen, is a blessing locally. And I thank God that your church and your family allows you to be a blessing uh, beyond the scope of Dothan, Alabama. And uh, we honor you. We honor you, Brother Patterson. And I thank you for allowing us to be here today. Now, I'm trying to behave myself, but my wife and I, were just party people. Amen. We heard that there was celebration in Dothan, so we just drifted on over and uh we're, we're so excited to be with you today i'm gonna be honest with you i know i shouldn't say this i know i shouldn't say it i'm gonna say it anyways i always get nervous even at home i always get nervous i honor the institution of the preaching of the word i can't recall the last time i've been as nervous as preaching in this pulpit amen with such mighty men who have been institutional to contending apostolic doctrine but brother harrelson has uh, encouraged me and said Come on, Chris, just be yourself. So I'm just going to act like I'm at home. If I close my eyes, I'm just imagining home. That's all I'm doing. I'm not falling asleep on you, I promise. Uh, but so excited to be here and uh, delighted to be a part of your, your uh, special, special day. I've got one goal in mind, uh, two goals in mind, rather. I want the Holy Ghost to move in this place this morning. Amen. I want the Holy Ghost to take total liberty and reign, encourage and uplift somebody. And then I, I hope that I preach okay enough that you'll agree to come back this evening. And then we have church this evening, correct? Okay. This evening, I'm, I'm going to break off a piece of my heart for you tonight. And I want to ask a question this morning about this evening service that will precede us by faith and believing that God is going to do something mighty for this region, for this city, for this church. Amen. I'm going to ask a question. Amen. If you represent, and, and I believe I know the answer to this based on a couple of remarks uh, that were made previously. If you represent somebody, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a neighbor's dog, it don't matter, okay, that would be considered in the category of a prodigal, amen, would you raise your hand right now? If you know somebody, and they don't even have to live here anymore, amen, but they were, you know somebody that's a prodigal, somebody that lays heavy on your heart, amen. I, I have a special, a special burden for prodigal ministry, 
Amen. And I'm going to break off a piece of my heart this evening, the Lord willing and, and God orchestrating it. And I believe that we're going to gain some territory. I believe the kids are coming back home. Amen. I believe mothers and fathers are going to come marching in through these doors. I'm going to testify a little bit tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. God is in the restoration business. Amen. He is reaching. He is He is earnestly desiring to see. And the Bible says, Ezekiel, can you imagine being called to pastor the Valley of Dry Bones? Go pastor that church. They're all dead. They're all dried up there. Well, I'm going to send you there. He's like, well, I, I can think of better places to go. I, I lucked out. I got called to the Gulf Coast. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. He got called to the, the cemetery. And, uh, and But the Bible says that there was an exceeding great army that raised up from the ashes. And I think this end time hour is going to have people so prolific and powerful. Amen. And God's going to restore, redeem, and I believe that he's going to commission and use. And so I'm excited to be with you today. I know you've been standing very long. Here's I'm going to give you a little cliff note version here. You start preaching with me. Amen. I will talk so fast. We will beat the Baptists, everybody else, to, to lunch today. Amen. You trick me. I'll just start going through my notes and get so excited, and we'll, we'll, we're, we're going to have a great time today. Matthew chapter 10, verses 46 through 52 says this. And they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He sat by the highway side, and he was begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Two things there that are instrumental. He heard and then he cried. Verse 48 says, and many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and he commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately, right away, he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want to preach to you for a very few moments this morning, amen, when the church begins to cry out. When the church begins to cry out, amen. Here's some of the most precious words in Pentecost. You're getting ready to hear them right now. You may be seated. Amen. God bless you. Uh, I am hoping, Sister Barber, that our kids are still in the Sunday school class. They don't, okay, I'm just making sure because the Barber boys are uh, they're tenacious, and so I just want to make sure they're not destroying this gorgeous building. I've seen pictures, and I and I follow y'all and listen to your weekly services uh, regularly, and to see this place in person, I I uh, have been praying through jealousy all morning. Okay. It's unbelievable what the Lord has done in 56 years. Now, I know Brother Harrelson has mixed emotions about this, but I, I woke up about 5.30 this morning, and I, I took a couple hours driving through uh, the city and in and, and the surrounding uh, blocks of Dothan, just praying for the city, just, just praying for revival. And I know you just just kind of got in here, but I'm praying that the Lord has to move you out really quick. And... and uh, uh, and I pray that, here's, here's a secondary prayer, because we're friends, I pray that the Lord would send many hands and feet to help, to help ease the burden of the next stage of growth. 
Amen. But I, I don't know where my kids are right now. I'm just praying that uh, we can pray the Sunday school teachers through this evening, and, and I honor them for their sacrifice. And I do love my boys, and I'm thankful that the Harrelsons were gracious enough to allow me to bring them this morning. Um, just a quick, it's probably best that they're not in here because they are so tired of being used as illustrations and sermons that uh, they start to get a little squirrely on me, and now they're starting to barter with me afterwards, like, that's going to cost you a blizzard at Dairy Queen. And uh, Samson, uh, Sam, we should have been careful about naming him Samson. Silas is my eldest, uh, 11 years old. Samson is my youngest. He just turned seven uh, just a few uh, uh, months ago. And Samson, now I, I love the story of Samson in terms of the redemption at the end and how God used something that was broken and he blessed something that was bruised. And so that, that was the intention of the name. Little did I know this little rascal was going to try to live up to the namesake. And so he is seven years old, going on 25. Uh, he came home a, a few months ago, got off the bus. He was a little disgruntled. And uh, I said, buddy, what's going on? He said, well, I, I, I hate to tell you this, Pop, but I had to break up with my girlfriend today. I said, no, you didn't. That was a lie. Ain't no dating in this house until you're 35. And he looked at me and he said, no, I had to. It was serious. And, and I said, buddy, I didn't know you had a girlfriend. We're, we're going to have a serious talk about this. And he said, well, and he starts to give me some uh, information on who she is. And I'm deducing that uh, she's not a classmate at all. And I said, tell me about this. He said, well, I, I had to break up. Now, Pop, I want you to know she's a little older than me. She was 16 years old. I said, wait a second now. He said, she's 16 years old. And I said, well, why'd you break up with her? He said, well, Pop, she was the bus attendant, and she made me put all my toys away, wouldn't let me play. I said, good decision, buddy. Uh, <laughs> teaching you right and wrong all at the same time. He, he, brags, he brags about a lot of things, but he brags about his, uh, what he calls the bump on his arm. He'll come to me and roll up his sleeve. He says, Pop, you want tickets to the gun show? I say, well, let me have it, buddy. Is it free admission? Because I can afford that one. And he'll, he'll roll his little sleeve up. He says, check out my bump. And then one day, this was not long ago, about two months ago, uh, he looked at me and said, now, Pop, let me, see, let me see the bump on your arm. Oh, I couldn't wait. Hey, Amen. I'm going to one-up him. I'm, gonna, I'm flexing. I'm trying to do a little something to just, just to accentuate. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I wrote, and I flexed my arm. And he said, now, where, now hang on. I told you to flex, Pop. I said, well, I am. He said, well, where's your bump at? <laughs> and he pointed to the definition on his arm, Brother Harrelson, and he said, that's what it's supposed to look like. Pop, you don't have that. I said, oh, my goodness. I rebuked him right there in front of God and everybody. But what he makes up for, or what he has rather in his tenacity towards uh, uh, lady folk in his, uh, in his growing bump on his arm, he lacks and toughness, and uh, he loves to get a good cry in, okay, and uh, my wife was out of town, we're sitting at the game table, and, I, and I, I, I give my kids a hard time, but the greatest gift in my life is my children, and so anytime mom goes out of town, it's adventure time with pop and the boys, and so we're playing a little game, and Samson got up a little bit abruptly, and he bumped his knee, and I could tell by the quiver of his lip, this is going to be a 60 second, or a 60 minute rather escapade, I, I, I've got a small margin of time to stop this before it starts. And so I began to tell him, now, Samson, you're a tough boy. Samson, I ain't raising no sissy barber boys. They're going to be tough. They're going to be masculine, okay? You stop that cry. You put it back down your throat, boy. Don't you let a tear drop out of your eye. 
And Brother Champion, he did it for about 30 seconds, but then he began to think about it again, and that lip began to quiver. So it took me about five to seven minutes, amen, but we officially slam-dunked that lamentation back down into his spirit, amen. And I, I felt good about being a father that day. I'm raising tough boys to, to be tough men, masculine men, and what is a overly, excuse the word here, not, you might have to clean up next week, but an overly feminized world, I, I felt good about my parenting skills that day, but then I began to think about Scripture. And what I found is that oftentimes what makes sense in the secular doesn't really parallel or gel with the spiritual, amen? And I began to read about blind Bartimaeus, amen, and he was a crying man, amen. And when the Lord began to move in his life and began to make his way into the arena of his need, amen, he wasn't too manly to, to begin to cry out and say, now Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I felt conviction in that place because I taught my kid that it was never appropriate to cry, but every once in a while, the church has got to cry out. And when Zion travails, amen, the church will have fruit born. I'm praying for a crying church. I'm praying that there's a church that knows in the middle of the hour the greatest thing that you can do is cry out to a God who's merciful. He's good. He's powerful. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or even think. I never want my boys to know what it is to withhold a cry from heaven because what I found is spiritual problems require spiritual solutions but all too often times as saints both man and women we shoulder it amongst ourselves and we give birth to Ishmael's in our life Amen. We need the hand of God to move in our midst in this midnight hour, perhaps now more than ever before. Amen. I taught my son what I believe to be inappropriate, inappropriate uh, uh, counsel as it pertains to a spiritual context. I, I, when I read this story, I just get a little, I just get a little perturbed. Now you got to know my nature. I don't get a whole, I don't get upset about a whole lot. I'm a pretty, I like to think I'm a pretty easygoing guy. But I've got a few things. Anybody got some pet peeves? Anything? You know, you, some of y'all, I can tell, probably getting a little rough traffic and you just start getting, it, it, you, when it's not cold like it is outside, amen, you add that to the equation. One of the things that drives me nuts, I don't know what it is about it, but when somebody has the audacity to shush me, I think I'm about to lose my mind. I'm, I'm going to have to pray through about that later. Amen. Now, the, I got enough Holy Ghost in me that I don't say what's going up in here, but I, I certainly have to repent about it later. When somebody begins to shush a man, I'm telling you, it just it does something in our spirit. And the first thing that his so-called friends that likely just dropped him off at the begging spot, when he begins to cry out to Jesus, they say, shush, hold your, hold your breath, keep it all bottled up inside. Nobody wants to hear that nonsense, Bartimaeus. Just shut your mouth. Amen. And Bartimaeus says, I ain't doing that. Jesus is in this place. Amen. I'm about to cry out all the louder because the Lord is in this house. Amen. Now I'm all for order and protocol. Amen. I believe that it's taught in the, in the epistles. Amen. We don't just want crazy chaos. We don't just want, uh, uh, I, I say that, but I feel like we've had good church when there's uh, uh, bobby pins that have punctured the drywall. Amen. I, I, like, I like apostolic church. I love apostolic demonstration, but I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have order and, and flow and authority in the service. But I, I can remember as a young man, a new convert, going to a church on the uh, western side of the uh, outer city limits of Indianapolis. And I went in there. It was my first time there. I went with a friend. 
And uh, they were going through, they had testimony service every Sunday morning. And they began to testify and people would raise their hands and they had a moment to share something good that the Lord has done. And there was this one precious lady and she raised her hand. And, and now, this is my first time there. I don't know her from uh, Bertha up the street. I don't know who this lady is. Amen. But she, she begins to, to stand up. And, and, and if there's ever been an eye roll, every person in that church rolled their eyes. And I knew something good's getting ready to happen. And so sister, whatever her name was, let's just say her name was Jane. She begins to testify. And she begins to talk about what the Lord had done in her life that week. And people were kind of looking and, and ribbing each other and joking and laughing. Amen. And then she stood up and she got to a point in her testimony where she began to stomp her feet. Amen. And she had a little tambourine down below her pew. And she got it out and she began to sing and praise the Lord. Amen. Now I caught her after service. I couldn't help myself because I am nosy and curious and I said sister Jane would you tell me why it is that you I, I heard that you testify like that every Sunday she said oh it's simple she said I was on my deathbed amen I had no hope for living another 24 hours amen but my pastor came in before I moved to Indianapolis and he laid hands on me and prayed for me he said and she said and I came up off of what was designated to be my deathbed and she said I will always come into the house of the Lord with a shout in my spirit, amen, with a praise on my lips. And she said, she, she smirked at me a little bit. She says, I know that sometimes people try to shush me, but when the spirit of the Lord is moving, there's nothing that's going to shut down my praise. Amen. I'm looking for a church in the midnight hour that says, I know the world's trying to stop our ability to speak freely. I know that there's people in power that are trying to shut down the integrity of this pulpit, but you're never going to sush the apostolic church. Pentecostals of Dothan will be a pillar, will be a fiery torch of not just revival, but a proclamation of truth. You will not sush us in this midnight hour because what this world needs more than anything is apostolic apostolic doctrine demonstration hallelujah I purposed in my life a long time ago ain't nobody gonna shush my praise ain't nobody gonna shut down what the Lord intends for me to do if we look at blind Bartimaeus amen what a name what a name his condition his afflictions in his name He's blind, okay? He's the blind guy. Blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus roughly translates to son of a man from nowhere. He got a double whammy. Hey, man, I've heard some bad names in my day, okay? I'm not about to name them just in case. I don't want to get in really any more trouble than I'm probably already in, okay? But the blind man of a son from nowhere, that's a hard name to overcome, Amen. He has lived under the banner and the authority and the category of that name for his whole life. Oh, here comes the beggar. Here comes blind Bartimaeus, the son of the man from nowhere. Amen. But I love when I hear testimonies of people that stand up. Amen. And they say, I know my daddy was an alcoholic. My great-granddaddy was an alcoholic. Amen. I might have been on the backside of nowhere, but you're not going to define me by my condition because I heard that Jesus is on the horizon. And if God be for us, who in this world? Do I have any people today that have been saved and purchased by the blood of the Lamb? Do I have anybody under my voice today that could say with assurance, He's been so good to me, I cannot tell it all. 
Listen, I'll just testify here real quick. I know what you're doing. You're preaching with me, so I'll hurry up. And it's working. You're doing a good job. Thank you. Hey, man, my parents backslid when I was six or seven years old. Church hurt. I'm, I'm a benefactor of a praying grandmother. Hey, Amen. I, I, I can remember I'd be 10, 11 years old, and I'd go to grandma's house to spend the night. Oh, boy, I'd look forward to two things. They don't go together, but this is my paradise. This was my grandma, so back off, okay? Lasagna and apple pie. The woman could cook a lasagna and Got a little witness back there. All right. Lasagna and apple pie. And I'd enjoy myself, and I'd have that heavy food in my belly, and I'd go and lay down. Amen. About 2 in the morning, I'd wake up because I could hear something echoing through the AC register. <laughs> and Grandma would go to her prayer closet at 2 in the morning, knowing that I was in Grandma's house, and knowing that she, perhaps I'd feel a shift in spirit if I was under the banner and the cover of her house. But Grandma wouldn't pray any old prayer like, oh, Lord, I pray you'd encourage Chris. He's so tall and ugly. I pray you'd encourage him. Lord, do a work in his life. No. She'd pray prayers like this. God, my grandson, he's going to go to hell. He doesn't have the whole, he's going to go to hell. Lord, you've got to touch my grandbaby. And she'd cry out in the middle of the hour. She'd cry out when everybody else, perhaps in my family, had given up on our family because we were so far from the Lord. Amen. That's why I worship the way that I do. Amen. Because God... He didn't have to, but he answered my grandmother's prayer, and he reached into a sinful young man's life in 2002 and filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, because there was a woman who refused to be told no. There was a woman who said, I will not be shushed. There was a woman who didn't just look for spectacular, and let me take you to the most recent convention. No, I'm in the church because she prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. She was baptizing me in an atmosphere of prayer, and I grow weary in this modern hour in which we live where we're so quick to substitute the principles of the power of what has brought us to this moment for for programs and protocols and professionalism. I see too many people that you can tell they practiced their praise dance in the mirror before they came to some type of convention. Give me old school Pentecost. Give me the Pentecost where people are being led out from altar calls, speaking in other tongues, and they go home and for hours afterwards... I don't want to be so cool in Pentecost that I don't know what it is to cry out anymore. Let the church cry out. Let the church remain who it is. Let's not detach from the presence of elders that have birthed the moment that we, I appreciate going from brush harvest to facilities like this. I thank God that I can go to camp meeting and feel the cool breeze of the Holy Spirit and the cool breeze of the air conditioner. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, amen. But I don't want to get so sophisticated that we look for patterns and processes and fail to fill up prayer rooms and, and fasting schedules and, and, and seeing the, the powerful demonstration of the Holy Ghost. When the church cries out, something is born in the supernatural. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We have scriptural, we have scriptural evidence for this. Amen. We have scriptural evidence for this. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says this. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I'm come down to deliver them. When the church cries out, the hand of deliverance begins to move in our midst. Psalms 34 and 6 says, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of 
all of his troubles. Amen. Psalms 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears open to their cry. Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and he delivered them out of all of their troubles. Even Jonah, even Jonah, when he began to cry by reason of my infliction unto the Lord, the Lord heard me. And out of the belly of hell I cried, and lo, thou heardest my voice. What a great and beautiful scripture. Amen. That perhaps there's somebody under my voice right now that we present ourselves in a way that nobody knows the anguish and turmoil of our soul. But if you could follow the pattern of Jonah, even out of the belly of hell, amen, when he began to cry out, God said, I can meet you there. Amen. The Bible says that he is attracted. He shows favor to a heart of brokenness and contrition. He's attracted to it. So when the church begins, to cry when the church begins to cry the Holy Spirit begins to move you know there's something that I noticed when my kids cry regardless of how I want them to or not when my kids cry it don't take but a couple seconds and I'm right there at their side oh pops here I got you I got you okay as much as I'm trying to teach them to be strong there's something there's something there's some type of connection that when a child begins to cry, we run to their aid. And then there's a pattern that happens when people begin to cry. And when we begin to cry out to the Lord, when we cry, he comes close. He picks us up and he helps us with whatever's troubling us. When we begin to cry, he draws near. Amen. He protects us and he heals us. When we begin to cry, his proximity to us decreases. He comes closer. Amen. He puts his hand on us and he delivers us out of, his, out of our problems. Amen. There is a study that I found when I began to just study, study and read about the nature of crying kids. Amen. I just got interested in it. I've got, a, I've got a room filled with just random articles about random things. And I happen to have a catalog of things and studies about crying. It says the average response time when a child cries, regardless of the place that you call home on this entire globe, is five and one half seconds. Amen. Smithsonian Magazine did an interesting study. They were trying to figure out, is there a difference between a mother and a father's response time? Now, I figured that maybe mom would have a quicker turnaround time than father's, but it turns out there is no distinguishable or noticeable difference. Mothers and fathers respond to their child's cry at the same amount of time. The only noticeable difference in terms of a parent's response time is how much time that, that parent had spent with that child. Amen. Let me come back and talk about prayer for just another couple of seconds because I love prayer warriors. Amen. Is that the more time we spend with our Heavenly Father, and I'm not trying to build doctrine around this, but I've noticed that I feel like I can get a little bit more intimate with the Lord if I've spent more time with Him in prayer. Amen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a little bit more time and talk about prayer again. When the church begins to cry out, amen, I, I believe in you, you touched on this in your lesson, the law of reaping and sowing. Amen. When I plant a watermelon seed, I don't expect a, an oak tree to pop up. I plan to reap the harvest based on the type of seed that I'd sown. Amen. And when we begin to sow seeds of prayerfulness, amen, we can expect to reap a harvest of supernatural reward. Amen. We want to know. I hear people ask. I hear young ministers ask the question often. We hear about our elders preaching about, about supernatural signs and wonders. Now, first of all, I think that we're seeing this happen far too much that we give credit for. Amen. But we want to wonder, where is that? Where's that missing? It's good to see you. Where 
Where is that missing ingredient, amen, to the supernatural flow of the Holy Ghost? I love to sit with my pastor, Pastor Mooney, and he would tell stories about how they would go to tent revivals. And there would be people that would show up literally with shotguns. And they go to try to stop the revival that was happening in those particular meetings in those times together. And you know what would happen? They didn't, they didn't call the cops necessarily. And they didn't sound the alarm. And they didn't get on, everybody get out their taser or their, you know, whatever it was. They began to pray. And those people that showed up with shotguns and pulled into the back of brush harbors and pickup trucks and they'd outload basically a militia to try to stop the oneness apostolics from having revival in church. Many of those people, and my pastor would love to share stories about this, many of those people would stop and lay their armament down and walk into the tent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which has an evidence of speaking in another tongue as the Spirit of the Lord gives the utterance. And these things happen when the church knows how to cry out and pray I love I love my grandmother she has since gone on to uh, receive her reward and I'd like to say meet her rewarder amen and I I thank God she's such a blessing was such a blessing uh, to me I thank God for mothers who cry out I love the story of the mother who cried out because her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil when the Bible is so specific that it gives adjective to the condition. She wasn't just vexed, grievously vexed. This poor little girl had some stuff going on. Much like many of our kids in the alphabet generation, and I'm trying to be kind. There's a lot of confusion going on, okay? I, 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 I'll stop. I'll stop there. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But when mothers begin to cry out. Now, this woman had no relationship with the Lord. Hey, man, she just knew Jesus is here. I'm going to cry out. Well, it's not your time. It's not your place. It's not for you. It's not the right... I'm not going to be shushed, okay? And so she just kept continue to press into the presence of the Lord. And, and the Lord says, and the Bible says that the Lord honored her request and granted her desire. And her daughter was delivered from that demoniac possession, amen? Because somebody says, I'm not going to be silenced. I won't be, I won't be stopped. I'm not going to be halted. I need the Lord to move in my life. Now, men in the church, I should have ran this sermon through you before I got here. Men in the church. There is many expressions and articles that talks about the attack of male influence within the church. There's many expressions of why this could be the case. Now, I don't care how high the octave is for those of you, you musicians. It don't matter. I can't sing on key even if it was the lowest of the low. But I'm going to sing anyways. Uh, I have made myself a professional. I'm going to throw everybody else off key. That's my, whole, that's my ministry right there. I used to sit next to Brother Tim Pettigo on, on, uh, on Sunday services, and he's got a beautiful voice and a wonderful music ministry, and he's a tremendous preacher as well. And I could tell when I was singing so off-key and loud enough because he would try to be as gracious as he could possibly be, but he'd go like this. <laughs> it shift this way. And i say, oh, I'm worshiping good today. Amen. The Lord's moving good today. Amen. And so there's many theses and hypotheses why there is uh, perhaps an absence of male presence in local churches of, of any Christian denomination. This isn't specific to the UPCI or Pentecost at large. This is any Christian demographic. Amen. And they say that essentially what's happening is there is a reward and the only tendencies and traits that are being celebrated in local churches have a more effeminate quality. And so men don't know how to contribute and to 
be men in the local church. Amen. So I'm going to give a little scripture here today because I believe that as much as I thank God for intercessors and, and wonderful praise and worship leaders and we've got a tremendous church of amazing ladies who lead in worship and, and fill the altars and create an atmosphere for God's presence to move supernaturally in our midst. Amen. We are desperately in need of men to rise to the occasion and say I'm going to fulfill my function I'm going to fulfill the design it takes both man and woman and when man and woman operate together in headship and in function the church is blessed and flourishes and grows it's not to the detriment of one over the other we can't let culture bleed into the church church should bleed into the culture When you read the Genesis narrative, if we fast forward to Genesis chapter 3, the Lord is giving consequence for the failure of Adam and Eve. The Bible says, if we just start uh, for the sake of time at verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because thou hast done this, you're cursed above the cattle. And it goes on and he curses the devil and, and, and the serpent, Lucifer. And then he goes, I'm going to put enmity between thee and woman. He goes on. And he says unto the woman, he says, I'm going to greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and eat, hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, he said, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Then he goes on to the ground. He says, Thorns and thistles shall bring it forth unto thee. And, and he goes on, and he's cursing, and there's consequence, and there's despair. And then Adam speaks up finally. The, the, the serpent's cursed, the woman is cursed, amen, the husband, the, the man is cursed, the ground is cursed. And then Adam's like, I can't take this anymore. Now, I, I don't want to do damage to text. And, and I, I want to be super careful here because I don't like when we insinuate or add on what Scripture doesn't make explicit. Okay, so I want to be careful with how I choose my language here because I would never want to misrepresent a, a particular point as we often joke as preachers, amen, just because something preaches good, I want it to be scripturally good as well, amen, because I'm going to give account for what I say. So I, I want to be really careful with this. But it appears that Adam begins to finally speak up, and he does a couple of things. First of all, Adam was required to give name to everything in the garden, and the only thing that we, that we uh, assume in Scripture that he hasn't given name to is Eve. He says, well, my goodness, I've got to fulfill my function. I've got to step in here. And he gave the name Eve to his wife, which is significant because she's going to be the mother of all living things. Now watch this. Adam is listening to the curse and consequence of the Lord. And the Lord, when he's beginning to talk about the childbearing and the pain and the agony that Eve will go through, amen, he also hears that you're going to be fruitful and you're going to bear children and there's going to be reproduction. Now I don't believe that Adam has seen this yet before, but Adam speaks up. And he begins to give his wife a name, fulfilling his function. But then he begins to fulfill the function in a way that's in accordance with what God had already spoken. He says, I'm going to call your wife Eve, and it's significant because you're going to be the mother of all living. And in the midst of the consequence and the chaos and the turmoil of what was happening when sin was introduced into that garden, Adam spoke up and he spoke a degree of faith. He says, Lord, we're going to do what you have told us to do. Amen. We're going to be fruitful and multiply. Amen. I'm going to speak over my family right now, and we're going to see the blessings of the Lord transpire in spite of the consequence that we will have to face. When men stand up and cry out to the Lord and begin to pray to him, the Lord went from cursing and consequence to cover and blessing. 
We need men in the church that know what it is to speak prophetically over the local assembly and over your families and over your children. I refuse to fall victim to a belly-crawling, dirt-eating devil, amen, who was cursed at the garden. They're not going to have my kids. These devils aren't going to have my family. It's not going to have my marriage. Because something happens. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Jesus' name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When a man stands up, when a man of God stands up and says, oh, no, you're not going to have dominion here. You're not going to have dominion in this church. Amen. We should, we should drive around the streets of Dothan and say, no, this is our city. This is our harvest field. Amen. You're not going to have my kids at the local church or at the local school system, rather. You're not going to have my, my family. You're not going to conquer my marriage. I know that it's normal in our, in our modern context in which we live. Amen. But when men begin to cry out. When men begin to cry out, when women begin to cry out over their daughters and their sons, amen, something supernatural begins to take place, amen. I'm looking for some shouters today, some people that know what it is to cry out. Now, Bartimaeus, he's a blind man. We know this. It's in his name, okay? We covered this part. He's got an affliction. He's got a thorn in his side or in his eyeball. I don't know what caused the blindness, amen, but he cannot see. Amen. But the Bible says it's very clear in verse 47 that he could hear and he could speak. Amen. When the church refuses to allow setbacks to be the defining moment of the progress forward, and when we begin to say, I, I might not be able to see, but I can hear and I can speak. I'm going to use what I do have at my disposal, and I'm going to continue to press forward and march forward in the kingdom of God. I might not be able to see. It might be that the world is darker than perhaps it's ever been, particularly in our nation. Amen. But I can hear and I can speak. Amen. We can have revival anyways. We can see the presence of the Lord moving moving in our lives. There's two qualifiers for shouters, amen. They recognize, this is hard for men in particular, they recognize that they need help because their deficiencies exceed their abilities, amen. But the second thing about shouters is their desperation brings them to a place where they quit discussing their disabilities and begin declaring the degree of their deliverance, amen. When you get to a place of desperation, the woman with the issue of blood, Amen. She had had that sickness for 12 years. Some commentaries that I have read have expressed the significance of this moment is that most physicians would say a condition such as hers after 12 years, they would say there's no more hope for you. There is literally nothing else we can do. The context of what we read is she had visited many physicians and had never been able to have breakthrough. She's desperate. She's desperate because the doctors are saying there's nothing else we can do. She's exhausted all of her resources and avenues for help and so she sees well Jesus is out there and if the Lord is there maybe he can do something about it and she began to cry out she wasn't defined by her deficiency she said I've got anguish in my body I've got disease riddled in my veins but I can still walk and I can still move and I can still stand and Jesus is in the horizon and I'm going to press through the throng of people and I'm going to possess the promises that the Lord has for me but she was desperate she was desperate. I'm just going to enjoy myself. This is going to be the last Sunday I'm ever invited to Dothan, uh, Alabama. <laughs> but this is how I would say it at my home church, okay? Stop me. If, just, just throw a shoe at me, Elder. We're not desperate if we can't make it to family prayer. We're not desperate if we can't make it to Sunday service. 
We're not desperate if we can't be faithful to sacrifice and giving and stewardship to the kingdom of God. And then when people come into me and they say, my marriage is on the rocks. Why isn't the Lord doing this for me? I've got to the habit, and please don't think less of me, but I've just noticed a trend. Amen. And if I can look and I can point to a trend and say, well, there is a, there is a deficiency here in attendance and, and of faithfulness and of... And of you, you want to know why the problem is continuing to exist? Is because we want the benefits of Calvary without the cost of the cross. Amen. We want the glory to show up and show out. We want to experience the Lord on Sunday night and, and run and shout amen. But the Lord says, bring me a consecrated heart. And that's a desperate person. And those are the cries that the Lord begins to minister to vividly and, and powerfully and with a great dynamic. Amen. This woman is desperate. She's desperate. And I close with this. I close with this. Amen. Jesus met Bartimaeus. Music can come. Jesus, Jesus met Bartimaeus at his level of faith. He says, he says to the blind man, it's in his name. What would you like me to do for you? I love it when the Lord does these things, when he asks questions that are obvious. And you read this, I thought he was omniscient, omnipresent, omnipowerful. And he's asking this kind of question. And then when the Lord begins to ask a question like this, we all know, I'm sure uh, you've heard this many, many times before, he's not questioning out of a place of deficiency and in intelligence. I mean, he's questioning, and the person that's being asked the question to needs to posture themselves in a place to receive promise in their life. So what would you have me to do? Amen. the Bible says, doesn't it say someplace, you have not because you, what's that say? You ask not. Listen. I love, I love the verse that says the Lord is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Above all, you could ask or even think. Listen, I'm crazy. You already know this by now. I haven't been here for, but for an hour. You already know I'm. I ask the Lord for some big things. I'm asking the Lord to give us a building that we can move into debt-free. I'm asking the Lord, amen, we've got multiple people that are sick in body with cancer. I'm saying, God, just do it all in one Sunday. Just do it all. Amen, because if that verse, and I'm just, I'm, old, I'm a little old-fashioned. I just believe what the Bible says, okay? And if that verse says that he can do exceedingly and abundantly, above all we could ask or even think, I'm going to go to heaven someday, I hope. And the Lord is probably going to go through and be like, now, Chris, my goodness, son, Lord have mercy, you know, this and this and this. But he's never going to look and say, but you, you were afraid to pray big prayers. You were afraid to pray big prayers. Amen. And I believe that when we, I, I think it was Spurgeon that said something along these lines. He said, what we believe about God defines everything about us. Amen. When we look at the power of the Lord his abilities and we and we put him in a place to where we know he can do exceedingly and abundantly is there anybody under my voice today that's wrestling or you know somebody wrestling with sickness or disease can I encourage you can, can, I, can I encourage you today I wasn't planning on going this route and closing this way but I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost right now amen we've had two people that had major vision issues 
And then we had one young lady whose eye was so crooked, amen, that she was going to have to have restorative surgery, but she'd never truly be able to see out of one of her eyes. And that Saturday ladies' prayer meeting, amen, they prayed, and she wasn't there, and they began to pray over this young lady, and they said, I'm believing that God is going to heal her tomorrow. And she came down in just an ordinary moment of the service. It wasn't, there wasn't Holy Ghost goosebumps. There wasn't lightning dropping from heaven at this moment in the service. But somebody began to pray a prayer of faith. And that young lady's eyes were straightened out immediately. And her vision has been totally restored. We've had people healed of cancer. And then we have had over in the last uh, 18 months, I tried to catalog this and, and go through my text. We've had over $1 million of debt forgiven and gifts given, financial miracles. Amen. And I believe it's because when people begin to pray to a God who is so great and mighty and begin to say, you know what? This is beyond me. Blind Bartimaeus says, oh, Jesus, thou son of David, you've got to have mercy on me because nobody can help me. And when the people around begin to shush him, he says, you're not going to stop my praise. You're not going to stop my cry because if God be for me, who in this world can be against me as you stand to your feet I'm going to open these altars here in just a moment we had a lady pass within the past year her husband passed a year prior from COVID she was on her deathbed can y'all